0: loving Texas weather. Yesterday was like Friday and yesterday was like spring, almost summer-esque and then uh, today's beautiful and then they're talking about snow this week. Only in Texas in the winter time, huh? I honestly, I like the cold and I like warm. I don't like the heat, but I need it to stay something for a certain amount of time so I can get over whatever this is going on in my head and sinuses and, you know. Get, get well for the spring hay fever and all that fun stuff. So if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 13. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you saw our covert operation during the last worship song um, to stealthily, strategically place Bibles. So if you need one, there's one at the end of the aisle. Um, if you don't own a Bible, then take that. That's our gift for you. And um, we want you to have access to God's word and, and uh, get that working in your life. Um, you also got a seed packet when you came in and um not yet. Not yet? Oh <laughs> anticipation. You're gonna get a seed packet in a in at the end of service. Um and I was just while Ryan was praying, you know, I, I was I was praying but I was also looking at my seed packet and I think it's kind of funny. It's radishes and the, the name is burpee. But um <laughs> I uh I don't know why. That's how my mind operates, I guess. Um, But it was fun at Home Depot last night. I had all these packets of seeds, and it was one of those Bill Ingvall moments. If you know Bill Ingvall, here's your sign. The lady looked at me, and she said, you going to do some planting? And (laughs) I mean, that's like standing there, batting, and someone just lobs one right over the plate where you know you can just crack. But, you know, uh, know, I needed to be loving, and I saw this, hey, this is an opportunity to invite her to church. I said, actually... These seeds are going to be for the services tomorrow, and, and I got to talk to her in Home Depot about our church and what God's called us to do and, and all of that fun stuff. So um, you're going to get a seed packet, and today we're talking about soil samples, and um, one of the things that we learned that when we moved into our, our house, uh, Texas soil is not always the best for cultivating um, really anything other than mesquite trees and cactus, um, and her her last house that we lived in uh, before we launched this church, uh, the owners had prepared all of the beds, and it really made our life so much easier. So when Heather got that wild hair to replace all of the landscaping in the front yard, um, it made it easy on me because I didn't have to do a whole lot of digging. And uh, we're going to talk about soil samples today, and uh, you can send your soil to Texas A and M. And they will tell you what fertilizer to use, you know I grew up just thinking fertilizer is fertilizer, you know what I mean it really um, anyway, but um, you know this cow ate this kind of grass so you get this kind of fertilizer, <laughs> but Texas A m will actually do a soil sample and test it and tell you what nutrients are best to put in your soil for it to be an optimal growing environment and so I want us to spend some time this morning. In God's word, talking about how we can prepare our hearts to be an optimal growing environment. And uh, we, uh, let's just kind of get to the core of some things. Uh, We're all dirt bags anyway. Um, If you think about it, way back in the beginning, God formed some dirt and uh, made man. So men, yes, you're dirt bags, baby. Own up to it. Live it well, you know. So what made you different is God breathed his breath into you. And then ladies, you're a derivative of dirt, you know, you're dirt and ribs. So, you know, my mom always used to tell me not to eat food that fell on the floor. When if you think about it, women, our food, ribs, that was dirty anyway. So, hey, you know, let's just set all that up so we know we're all coming from the same perspective and none of us are better than any of us um, and none of us are worse than any of us because we, we've said that the uh, ground at the foot of the cross is level. And so we're going to get on that level ground this morning and, and learn Um, We've been teaching through Matthew, and we're hitting a different point of Jesus' ministry. Jesus had come on the scene and established his authority as king. Uh, Matthew wrote from the perspective that here is our king. And now we see Jesus' ministry taking a different turn, where instead of fighting the religious leaders, he's actually getting to invest in people, and he teaches through parables. And really, a parable is just um, a story in which something familiar explains something unfamiliar. If you have kids uh, teaching them some deep principles, you have probably used a parable of a form um, and followed up with a punishment that you will inflict um, if they don't get the parable, and meaning clean your room, um, and pay attention, but Jesus teaches in parables, and it's very interesting. He's fulfilling prophecy spoken from Isaiah, and we're going to get into that, but he's teaching this because he's really, um, he's beautifully articulating the things of the kingdom and what scripture calls the mysteries of God's kingdom to everyone, but he's speaking in parables because people who do not want to understand the truth are going to just walk away from it. But he speaks in parables so people can get to the point of knowing the truth. And the reason he's doing this is through the centuries and through, through time, people's hearts have become hardened to hearing the message of God's truth. Um, and so Jesus understands this. He understands where their hearts are. Not a lot of people understand where their heart is. But he speaks in parables so that he can explain deep mysteries to a hardened heart. And I love this. And we're going, to get into, we're going to get into teaching the parable of the sower this morning. And it's Matthew 13. And uh, before we read it, let me, let me also say this. Uh, when Jesus speaks in parables, he's piquing the curiosity of those wanting to know the truth while hiding it from those. But he's speaking and he's going to be talking about really reflecting his love in this parable. He's going to teach us about guarding our heart. And he loves us so much. I, I, I think we need to understand this. There is nothing that any of us can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us any more or less. I don't don't know why I'm saying that, but uh, I think some people just may feel that they have to keep working to earn God's love and grace. God doesn't operate that way. and, And really what you're doing, you're wearing yourself out. You know, religion says earn God's love. Christianity says accept God's love and let that love transform you. If we just chase daddy's love all the time, it leads us into all kinds of other issues. And so let's just take a deep breath this morning. We're in a safe place. Let's just take a deep breath and just let God's love be invested in us and change us so that we can walk away maybe with a different perspective of how we're even trying to to live in God's love. So I just wanted to say that. Let's go to Matthew 13. Um, I'm going to read the beginning of the parable, and then we're going to spend some time talking about Jesus' explanation for it. Starting verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Um, Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying this, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. He who has ears, let him hear. And Jesus is telling this story. And I love how he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Because what he's doing, he's really just kind of driving that to the heart. When you ask your question, you ask yourself this question, do I have ears to hear? I mean, I heard what Jesus just said, but did I hear what Jesus just said? And he finishes that. So there's a moment of reflection. And what I love is the people I think who were reflecting the most were those that were spending the most time with him. Was the disciples, because now they're hearing Jesus teach in parables. You know, the disciples had seen Jesus do all of these things. I mean, he called them to follow them. They dropped everything to follow him. They saw and heard the on the mount. They saw the miracles that followed the teaching. They saw the opposition of the religious leaders coming at Jesus and how beautiful he was in deciding when to engage and when not to engage. And now they're hearing him teach mysteries of the kingdom and the kingdom of God. And I think they're probably now asking themselves, do I have ears to hear what Jesus just said? And he goes on, the disciples came to him and asked, Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be, will have more, will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. And he explains the prophecy of Isaiah. And then he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, Many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see, and longed to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This prophecy that Isaiah is giving, he's basically telling you in your notes, that's for the further study this week, he's prophesying that your heart has gotten to a condition where you can no longer hear and see what God desires to do in your life and desires to do in his people. And Jesus is saying this has come true. And the reason I'm teaching in parables is because their hearts are hardened. If I come at them with just straight up truth, it's going, it could drive a deeper wedge between God and man. And so God in his sovereignty and his amazing wisdom is able to speak in a way that challenges the heart. And this is the first time in Matthew that Jesus explains himself. If you read back in all of the other teachings we've done, when Jesus interacts with people, he's speaking truth. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. He's modeling the kingdom of God. He sends his disciples out, giving them power to do the work of the kingdom of God. But this is the first time he gets into an explanation. And I, I'm really convinced of this. We, we ask Jesus a lot of times for explanations of things in life. And I'm really convinced of this truth, that Jesus will explain himself to people who want to know the truth. I have questioned Jesus many times in my life, and he hasn't given me an answer. But I think a truth that I have to kind of reveal about myself is I've been questioning Jesus because when he exposed the truth, I wouldn't do anything with it anyway. All I would do is ask another question. And I don't think Jesus wants to get into this game of of answering our questions so that we can avoid action or we can avoid the truth, or we can continue to skirt the issues. I think Jesus will explain himself to someone whose heart is truly seeking that truth. The Bible is the only book that we have that we can ask the author to explain it to us. Think about that. Excuse me, I'm still getting over all this coughing stuff. I kept my wife up all night last night, I think. Um, I know if I wake myself up coughing... And I'm waking up neighbors. Um, But the Bible is the only book that you have the author absolutely present every time you open it. I mean, I'm I'm reading a very compelling book by Philip Yancey. And I have many a question for the man. But he's not sitting in my bedroom at night while I'm reading it, which would be weird anyway. Um, No, thank you. Um, (laughs) I walked in the other night. Heather has a Kindle. And laying on my bed was Harriet Beecher Stowe. And I left, um, honestly. Um, But the Bible, God is present when we are reading. And when we don't explain it, we ask. And I think we've got to get into a point of saying, God, help me understand this. God does not make his mysteries or his teaching so far out there that we have no grasp of it. I think a lot of times we cop out and say, well, I read that, but I just don't understand it. Have you questioned it? Instead of just saying, I don't understand it, and then walking away from it. So let's go on here and explain all of this. Um, Jesus says in Matthew thirteen eighteen, listen to what the parable of the sower means. Jesus says, listen, 19 times in the book of Matthew. He is absolutely intent on us hearing what he has to say. That or he, he grew up with a good mom. I mean, how many of you have grown up where your mom says, listen, 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 listen? Listen, listen, I say it all the time in my house. Are you hearing me? Are you listening to me? Do you get it? And then we try to track down the road of body language and, you know, the eyes are rolling around. Okay, are you getting it? Okay, you're getting it now. You know, are you, is what I'm saying sinking in? Do you here, kiddo? Yeah. Okay, well, Jesus says, listen. what the parable of the sower means. Um, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So the first one is the path seed. Um, Thank you, sweetie. The first one is the pathway seed. Ah, good Fort Worth Agua. And what he's saying is, is this is seed that has been broadcast and it's in the place where everyone is walking. Uh, And and I want you to understand something that God is going to cast the seed everywhere. When I put fertilizer down in my yard, I, I bought the wrong spreader. I bought a drop spreader and it takes me about eight times longer to do that stuff on my yard than if I would have bought the right one, which is a broadcast spreader. You know, my neighbors are out just, and I'm like, man, I don't do it because it it takes so long. Jesus will broadcast this seed. The seed is the word of God everywhere. He He will do it and he will keep doing it. And he's saying some of that seed falls on the path. And it's like someone's heart that what happens is the enemy comes and steals it. When he told the parable, he said, the birds come and eat it. Now, what what we have to understand here is God is putting this word, this this seed in our life, and the enemy comes and steals it. Think about it like this, like a New York purse snatching. You know, God gives us the word, and we're just kind of carrying it like this, you know, because we don't know how to treat it. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do with it. We say we don't understand it. What do we do with things we don't understand? We kind of keep them at a distance. And if you walk through, I don't carry a purse. You will never catch me carrying a purse. I don't carry a man bag. I don't carry a purse. I don't carry a satchel. I don't care what you want to call it. I don't. I carry a wallet in my front pocket. And if I'm walking through New York with Heather, she's going to be carrying the purse, okay? And if she's holding it out, just flip it like this, that's just saying, come on, you know? I don't, some might not even do it. They might think it's bait, you know? but they're going to run by and just take it. And the enemy waits for God to put the word in people's lives who don't understand it, who aren't willing to do anything with it, and he'll just come by and just take it up. I'm convinced of this. Think about, and we have teachers in our community, and especially teachers of younger kids. When you think about teaching young young kids, you you will say it, and 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 you'll say it and they'll say it again, but you see it really start sinking in when they get their hands on it, and they can do it. You know, when I start teaching and say, here, let's do this, here's what I want you to do, here's what I want you to do, as a church community, I can stand up here and say what we need to do till I'm blue in the face. You know, over Christmas, one one great thing we got to celebrate was, was giving kids Christmas, and I could stand up here every weekend and say, the word of God tells us to go out and love and let's give kids Christmas who can't get it on their own. But until we do it, we don't understand what that really means and what that really feels like and looks like and acts like and, and to see Jesus in the middle of all of that. And so kids have to do it. As adults, we're not that much different. I mean, we, we have a new system for our, our computer this morning. And I could have shown it to Allie and said, Here, figure it out. Here's what you do, da-da-da-da-da. Instead, we walked through it. Because by doing it, we learn. And and James, Jesus' half-brother, understood this principle. In James 1.22, he said, People learn by doing. And he says, Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Get up and do something with it. And keep it close so the enemy can't snatch it. If you're walking through New York, or you're walking through a busy, crowded place, and you've got your purse... Or guys, if you've got your man purse, <laughs> it's, hey, okay, you're going to keep that close. You're going to tie it in. When Heather and I travel and we go through the airport or we're in high tourist places, she will kind of lock it over you know, some weird gyration where if a guy comes and steals the purse, if that latch doesn't break, he's taking my wife with him. And that ain't going to happen. I'll let go of the purse long before I let go of her. So he's taking both of us. And the purse. We've got to get to a point where we get this word close. And when we don't understand it, we question it. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to engage and do something with it. I love how the Jesus in this parable compares the devil to a bird. I don't like birds. I think birds are really freaky anyway. But um, And then, you know, in some times of the year, you see all these black birds just amass. And I'm just like, eh, no, I think the, 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 the joke was it was the Aflacalypse. But <laughs> I don't like birds. They kind of just, they're just, I don't know. But the interesting thing about birds and in, in, in parking lots, you know, the black grackles, I think is what they are. And they're getting brave, you know, and they just kind of walk up. But if you just move, they take off. And I love that. I mean, I, there was a bird under my truck the other day, and I don't want them building nests in my truck. And I walk up, and I just kind of jump. That bird takes off. The funny thing about the enemy is all we have to do is move. All we have to do is do something with God's word, and he's scared. The enemy is scared about people who take something and do it with God's word. And so I think we need to get into that understanding. The second one are the rocks. And some seed fell on the path, was stolen by the enemy. The second one was the rocks. Let's read about that in Matthew 20. Um, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. What he's saying is is there are people that have an emotional experience with God you know they are at a point in their life maybe they're very vulnerable and they hear this word of God or actually I think they probably hear some version of the gospel that's going to directly meet the need of their specific situation emotionally and that man they're all in you know they're at the lowest point and someone someone says hey here's Jesus he's going to fix that and they're like I'm all in but when Jesus doesn't live up to what they were sold Or when they get into an issue of saying, okay, this following Jesus is a little more difficult because it's hard. You know, when when I'm in the workplace and people are saying, you know, you are wrong, or they want to be antagonistic about Jesus, then they fall away because there's no root. Basically, you track this back to their their connection with God is strictly emotional. And God made us physical, emotional, and spiritual. The interesting thing about our emotions is they are the most shallow part of our being. And sadly, too many of us want God to do His deepest work in our shallowest area. And we've got, as disciples and as people who are growing, we've got to get beyond just feeling something with God. I hope when we come to church and when we gather, we feel something, but I hope that is God. And it's not just an emotional charge of, of let's fire people up and get them engaged and then let's let's see what happens what that is doing is sprouting up a sprig with no root I mean that is why we are teaching through the book of Matthew you know we're in this church thing for the long haul I've told you that I hope that we close our doors when Jesus comes back for his bride and in order for us to do that it doesn't mean we sprout up quickly and don't develop roots we're at a phase of our church community. It's more important that what's under the ground is happening than what's above the ground. I'm convinced that's, that's a disciple process. I'm convinced that that's really a lifelong process. It doesn't matter how big our church gets. That's just the trunk of what's above the ground. If we've got nothing supporting it underneath, then we will fall at any trouble. And I think we've got to understand that in life, that we just don't want to feel something with God. We don't want to have an experience where I felt it. I've been married almost 16 years. And I'm going to be honest with you. I love Heather very deeply, but there are sometimes I just don't feel it. I'm sure that she would say the same thing. She loves me, but sometimes she just doesn't feel it because the emotions settle. And our relationship and our covenant and our connection goes way beyond an emotional connection. I mean, for men, we would, we would be out of it really early because our connection, mostly in marriage, is physical. I mean, think about sex. It's, it's physical for men, emotional for women. It's all of that for both. But you hit a point where the honeymoon's over and the physical connection isn't as strong, the emotional connection isn't as strong. So what is keeping you together? It's a commitment. And let me just say, don't hit that bottom of that commitment for too long because you'll start to question that commitment. So I'm just staying here because I'm committed. Let God do something in you spiritually because that is a depth that goes beyond anything we can imagine. The worst thing that I have heard in counseling couples is they say, I just feel like I've gotten to the end of her. I know everything there is to know about her. That's a cop-out and that is baloney. How can you say to God, who created someone with infinite and infinity in mind, eternity in mind, to say, I've gotten to the end of your creation? It's because we're unwilling to go there on a spiritual level. Now, let's quit copping out with God and go there on a spiritual level. I I have learned that the more I get into God's word and develop roots in scripture, that I feel God in different ways, and a lot of times it's it's a deep spiritual feeling instead of an emotional high. I would much rather live in that spiritual consistency than bouncing around as a manic depressive Christian emotionally. I, I can't handle that. You know, one day I'm God gave me a hundred bucks, yay! Ah, the bill's two hundred bucks, ah. You know, God, yay! You know, I mean, I mean, think about how exhausted we would be, <laughs> hey, 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 hey! You know. People would watch us how we live our life and go, if that's how God works, no thank you. My life is jacked up enough as it is. And you want me to throw spiritual emotion in there? Forget that mess. It's like the quick crush. This is probably more for guys. You know, you ever had the like Friday night crush? Like you, this is the woman of your dreams. Like that's it, man. I love her. Saturday morning, you wake up and you're like, what was I thinking? It's that quick crush, you know. Don't have a quick crush with God. You weren't in love fr- Saturday morning because you weren't in love Friday night. You know, you're like Forrest Gump. You don't know what love is, you know. So I got a Forrest Gump line in, and we were talking about the rocky path. I was really thinking mentally I was going to say sometimes there aren't enough rocks. But, so thank you. I got them both in. Yes. All of this in, in trouble. God doesn't say if trouble comes your way. I mean, let's, let's quit skirting the issues. God never says, hey, if, you know, when you follow me and if trouble comes your way, I'll take care of it. No, no. God says, when trouble comes your way, when persecution comes your way, and I mean real persecution, not the kind of persecution because we're jerks for Jesus, but the real persecution because we are living a discipled life and someone is really attacking how we are living our life. He says, when it happens... Have the roots so you do not fall away. I think God wants us to understand this because God wants us to know that following him is tough. I mean, the gospel is free. It's, it's, It's relatively easy to understand and accept the gospel, but to live it out is tough. And God doesn't want to give us a smoke and mirror thing and say, hey, it's easy. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. That's not always easy. You know, when he says in Matthew, do not worry, that's not always easy. Let's go on and read about the worry. 13 uh, verse 22 is uh, the thorns. It says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man uh, who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of, the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. In Matthew 6, when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us, do not worry about anything. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. he says, you know, Jesus has cast all your cares on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I mean, all of this about worry. And it is tough because there are times when when I really uh, struggle with, God, are you going to handle this the way I want it to be handled? I mean, that's what worry is. Worry is just wanting us to get our way. And when I don't think God's going to do it my way, I begin to worry. And then the scripture Paul wrote, don't be anxious or worry about anything, but pray about everything. And so I pray, God, I'm giving this to you. And all of a sudden, I start worrying it. And think about it this way. It's me handing that issue to God. And then when I worry about it, I reach up and I take it back out of his hands. And think, I don't think you're big enough for this one, buddy. And then he says, not just worry, but the the deceitfulness of wealth. Let me just say this. The deceitful, and I want this in your notes, the deceitfulness of wealth doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It's not rich or poor for this. You know, the deceitfulness of wealth hits both ends of that spectrum. It's just a different view of how that hits. If you're rich, then you already got it to worry about. If you're poor, you don't got it to worry about, but we all still want it. And he's saying, when you track that way, that's going to choke out this word. What happens is when we get into this deceitful cycle, work becomes our God. And a lot of this, it's men. Men, work becomes our God. For women, our kids become our God because we get out of whack priority wise in our house. And think about it we've, we've done a good job as parents um, helping our kids to fall into this mentality. Um, because we'll have a desire to give our kids things that we never had and we desire our kids to have the comforts and things that we never had or we're trying to insulate them from something and what happens is we get ourselves in a bind by putting our kids ahead of uh, any, everything in priority. And I'm sad to say this. My years of student ministry, I saw this played out every fall when the youngest would leave the house and go to college, and I would get a call about fall break, and they were coming home um, because their parents had told them they're divorcing. So for 18 years, father's God was work. Mother's God was the kids. They never invested any time with each other. And when they look at each other as empty nesters, and they go, I don't know you. If I don't know you, I don't love you. We've just been business partners to raise a kid. And so I think we need to end this partnership. It's sad. It's devastating in the home, and I saw that played out because of priorities out of whack. I want you to understand this and put this in your notes: that our priorities are God. Put God first in everything. Seek His King. Matthew six thirty three. Seek His Kingdom first. When Jesus was asked, "What is the greatest commandment?" Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. When we put God first, it's amazing what can happen and things fall in line in our life. Biblical priorities are God, your spouse. If you are married, it is your spouse. And your spouse has to have the place above your kids. The healthiest thing that you can do to raise your kids is to model that priority. And then it's your kids. It doesn't mean your kids get any leftover love, but it means they understand that, that my relationship with Heather is more important for the health of our home. Our kids would get so upset because once a year, Heather and I take a mommy-daddy vacation, and the kids are like, well, we want to go. Yes, but this is more important that we take this vacation for the health of our family. Prioritize that. The kids, and then after that is work. And then church. If you're not married, then some of those may have some some place or not. But bottom line, number one is always God. And that's a healthy way to model your priorities. You love God first. I like what verse 22 says about this word. It says it chokes it out. I mean, think about that. It's a powerful word, choke. It literally strangles the life out of the word of God and strangles the life out of what God wants to do in your life. So let's read verse 23 and look at the good soil. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I want you to understand this. Jesus did not say perfect soil. None of us are perfect soil. Really, the only way that, that us as dirt bags have a quality of life is because God breathed his breath into us. And he wants, desires us to be good soil. This is the heart. This is our ability to love God. He, Jesus is really saying, you've got to protect your heart here. Because our heart is our ability to love God. Our heart is, is really the abundance of our being. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what he's saying here is, make sure that you are good soil. Does soil work hard? The dirt at my house just lays around. I mean, it's, it's pretty, late. well. sometimes it comes in the house and lays around there. But soil does not work hard. You know what soil does? Soil provides a place or an environment for someone else to work. And so when you think about that, is your heart a place where God can work? Is your life fruitful? Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Let me, let me read to you the fruit of the Spirit. It's Galatians 5. I'm going to jump over there real quick. And I'm going to start with uh, the verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me ask you this. Are people seeing Jesus through the fruit in your life? That's a good way to kind of gut check this and have a self-awareness moment of what type of soil am I? I mean, are people seeing Jesus reflected clearly through the love in your life? Through the joy? Through the peace? Are people seeing Jesus through patience in your life? Are they seeing Jesus through kindness in your life? Through goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? Are people seeing Jesus clearly through your self-control? It all comes down to Jesus' desires to continue to broadcast seed. And he will continue to broadcast seed. And what I want us to understand as a church is what kind of dirt are we? What kind of soil are we? That's your reflection question. What type of soil am I? And you're going to get one of these at the end of service. And I just want it to be a reminder. I'll put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Where it's going to remind you? Because God truly desires to broadcast his seed in your life. And he desires for you to be in an environment where he can work. And he desires for you to be in an environment where his fruit can make Jesus very clear to the world around us. So, I guess in that reflection question this week, spend some time and ask yourself, am I guarding my heart? Yeah, you know, am I just kind of a pathway where people and the enemy can walk all over it? Is my relationship with Jesus really beyond emotion? I mean, do I have a spiritual connection? Is God my top priority? And am I allowing God to produce something through my life? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that, uh, that you teach mysteries and parables, but God, you do not put those out of our reach. And as we desire understanding, you are longing to give us that understanding. So Jesus, this morning, I ask that you bring new understanding to your words. Keep us from leaving this time with our own interpretations of what the truth of your word says. And God, help us to be good soil. I know that some of us have rocks. Some of us have footprints from the path. God, some of us have thorns. But God, I ask that you begin to cultivate that. That we open our hearts to you and provide a place for you to work. And God, I just, I ask that, that, That you do a work in us that is deeper than emotion. That's deeper than anything we can see physically. But God, give us a peace of knowing that you're moving in our life spiritually. And that you are drawing deep roots in our life. Father, let us be that tree that is planted by your stream with deep roots. God, we open ourselves and ask that you be that environment to work in this morning. Help us to truly reflect. And God, we just pray as David prayed, search our hearts, oh God. Reveal to us what uh, type of soil we are. Reveal to us where you long to give us understanding and long to work in our life. And Father, we just ask that most of all, we give people around us the opportunity to see Jesus through the fruit that the Holy Spirit is cultivating in our life. Father, may we be a fruitful community. But not just for our sustenance, but so that we make an impact for the kingdom of God. Jesus, thank you for making the mysteries of the kingdom known to us this morning. We love you so much. Father, we thank you for your love, your perfect love. Thank you for freeing us from the work where we have to earn grace. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, just fill us this week so that we can live aware of the type of soil we are we can live aware of the type of fruit we're producing put us in situations this week where we make Jesus very clear and where we love people with your love we thank you so much Father I just pray if there's anyone in this room that has, has never put their faith in you and and begin that that relationship with you. Or God, there may be some people in this room that have only made an emotional connection with you. God, through your spirit, you may be drawing them to make a deep, spiritual connection with you, to bring life. Father, I ask that you give them the courage to call out for you for understanding to say, Jesus, I I don't understand it all, but I believe that you love me so much that you died for me and that you rose again because of God's power and you desire a relationship with me. I don't understand it, but I believe it. God, open their eyes to understanding. Help us as their family and as their church community partner with them to walk and what it looks like to follow Jesus. We love you so much, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Help us to be good, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.